Hi, everyone. Welcome to Happy Hour History. Uh, I'm Kaden, your host. I'm here today with my friend Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hey. Uh, and we are here for another episode of the kind of, I've, I've just been calling it season two. It's not really season two. I just took a long hiatus, so we're back. Um, we are going to be talking today about someone who is actually one of my favorite women from history. I feel like I talk about her in my personal life like a weird amount, considering she's like not someone that a lot of people frequently discuss. Um, her name is Sophie Frederique Auguste, Princess of Anhalt-Zerbst. You probably have no clue who that is, Sarah. No. Because she's, yeah, she's not like known by that name. Um, she actually became famous under a very different name. Uh, you might know her under this one. She's still not like someone, she's not like a tutor or anything. She's not someone that like everyone kind of recognizes. Um, anyone who's clicked on this podcast already knows who it is because her name's the title. But we are going to be talking today about, uh, Catherine the Great, Empress of Russia. Ooh. So she's one of my favorites. I love her. Actually, if anyone recently has been watching, I just remembered this, but uh, there's a Hulu show called The Great, and it is supposedly about Catherine the Great. I say supposedly because I watched like the first episode and basically cried the whole time. I mean, not literally, but uh, <laughs> it was it was not super factually based. A Ooh, lot of it was wrong. I mean, oh, it was a, it's a satirical like comedy show. So I understood like they were they're like changing things up to be funny. But honestly, I think her life is kind of hilarious. So I kind of wish that they had made a satire for actual life, but whatever, that was their choice. So uh so but if you're if anyone listening is familiar with that show, you would know who Catherine the Great is. So that makes sense. Um before we start, just a few things to talk about i'm always forget like what i'm supposed to be shouting out here um before we start just so everyone knows uh just kind of a blanket warning we are going to be swearing we obviously drink on this podcast uh we're gonna be kind of making like crude humor and stuff probably uh catherine the great's actually a pretty easy one to like make sexual jokes about because her life is pretty bizarre um so if you're listening to this with kids, maybe don't or do. It doesn't really matter. Um, and uh, I always apologize to my mom for swearing on the internet. So sorry, mom. But I think other than that, we're probably good to start. So it's kind of funny for anyone who listens to this podcast frequently or doesn't, if this is your first episode. <laughs> um, I started this podcast a few months after uh, Sarah came to visit me. I was living in the UK and she came to visit me while I was there. And um, 
I actually had the idea for this podcast because I was taking Sarah around to a bunch of like historical sites and you were really interested, Sarah, in like all the history. And yeah, so no, every, definitely. every single night, she, you were such a trooper about this, but every <laughs> single night you'd come home and ask like a really innocuous question like, oh, like who was that? And it would lead into like a four hour long answer. I think the first night, you were even saying this earlier, but, like, the very first night, I ended up explaining from, uh, it, like, English history from about Edward III to the current queen, uh, which is the 1300s to present in, like, reigning monarchs. So it was a long story. It honestly was amazing that you could just rattle off all that information, <laughs> like, from memory. Like, I don't think you use your phone once, but it... <laughs> Honest to God, it went from like 11 to 2 a.m. Yeah, it was a long talk. I felt really bad. I kept being like, hey, we can stop. And you were like, no, no, like what happened next? <laughs> I couldn't tell. I honestly couldn't tell if you were humoring me or not, but I really, I respected it. So <laughs> oh, I, I loved it. I'm a big history buff. But of course, living in the U.S., we don't really get um, the full background on, you know, the history of different countries. So it was really interesting to just dive in and get kind of all the nitty-gritty details of it yes that was really fun and I remember and this was kind of the impetus of it all but I remember thinking every single night when we talked god I wish I'd recorded that because that would be (laughs) useful later if somebody asked me those same questions so I wasn't even thinking like in a podcast I was just like oh I would never have to do that again if I just recorded it the first time (laughs) so lo and behold this podcast was born and now I torture all of my friends by making them sit down and talk about history <laughs> so so now sarah's here it's all come full circle whoop, whoop. So, <laughs> so now we are ready to start sorry i had to get into that like side thing because i thought it was funny sophie frederick august princess of anhalt zerbst she was born in uh Stettin, pomerania which is part of the kingdom of prussia it actually is now in poland but at the time it would have been part of the holy roman empire And uh, she was born on the 2nd of May, uh, 1729. Her father was a minor prince of one of these kind of German principalities. He uh, was called Christian August, Prince of Anhalt Zerbst. And her mother was called Joanna Elizabeth. You don't really need to know these names, by the way, like memorizing or anything. Um, Her mother was Joanna Elizabeth. Uh, She was from another minor noble family in uh, these kind of Holy Roman Empire, like little principalities and states that kind of made up the empire itself, which isn't really an empire, but whatever. Um, And so she has this family that's like a minor noble house, but they're actually pretty well connected. And so she was this young girl, her mother, this young girl thinking that she was going to make this like pretty good match. And she was very vivacious and lively. She's a young teen. Uh, She thinks that she's going to go marry somebody a bit higher up in the world and she's going to have this like exciting court life. And they end up picking the man who will become her husband, Christian August. And he lives in this like tiny ass little like principality, nowhere near any exciting kind of court life. He's not he's not really like predisposed to being that involved in court life either. So he's like not one who would leave home to specifically go to court. Uh, She's also 15 at the time, uh, her mother, 
is 15 when she marries a 37-year-old man. So she was pretty disappointed by the marriage. Um, Ooh, yikes. So yeah, it's not a great match for her. So that was that was kind of how her parents got together. It's not a great story. Joanna was really always disappointed by her own marriage because her husband just like wasn't nearly as kind of excited by things as she was. And she wanted to live this like kind of fun, fast paced life that he wasn't going to let her have. Um, so Joanna has uh, Sophie first. I'm going to call her Sophie for now, but it's going to be Catherine later. So same person. So she has Sophie first, uh, the eldest of five children. Her next child is uh, a son called William. William dies when he is 11. So kind of just old enough to like think that that kid's sticking around because obviously the youngest years are um, the ones that are kind of you're the most concerned about. It's the easiest to have kids pass away really young at that time. So around age 11, they probably thought he was sort of safe, but... Uh, he dies. Their next child is a son called Frederick. He survives to adulthood. Uh, their fourth child is a daughter, Auguste Christine, and she dies as an infant. And their last baby is another girl, Elizabeth, and she dies age two. So basically what it comes down to is Sophie, their eldest child, and Frederick, their third child, second son, are the only two that survive. Um, Aww, of the five, so sad. it's really. I mean, it makes you think about like how awful it would have been to have to give birth, and then like your kids just constantly die. And on the one hand, it's like it's sad emotionally, but then also like when you're these royal people, and like she's not that important in the world. But when you think about any of these like noble families or like even royalty trying to have children for like the secession, mm-hmm. um, it's sorry, so much succession. pressure. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible amount of pressure to, like, just have one that survives. So they got two. They got a girl and a boy, but that was it out of five. And uh, Sophie is not close to her mom at all. Uh, her mother, from the time that she was born, obviously she was the first, her mother wanted her to be a boy because, obviously, boys are more useful politically. Um, it would have helped her mom's, like, role in the world politically as well to have a son rather than a daughter um it might have made her a little bit more important and obviously we know that her mom like just wants any kind of excitement in life so having a son would have been better obviously she gets her son eventually but um takes a while her brothers were treated significantly better than her by her mother uh she definitely played favorites and having said that once her firstborn son died so that first child that passes away age 11 um, at that point, her mother, Joanna, takes a bit more interest in making a good match for her because they want to make sure that she has, like, a more illustrious marriage so that they can increase their own importance. Because, again, she thought an illustrious marriage would help her and she didn't get an exciting marriage. So she's thinking she can have that through Sophie now. I just hear um, a gold digger in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't saying she's a gold digger, <laughs> but she is. Yeah, she's she's just really bored. She literally has nothing better to do. Um, so this is kind of like the matchmaking part. So Sophie herself, she was kind of interested in the possibility of a match too, uh, mainly because she wants to get away from her family. She's like, yeah, these people suck. <laughs> um, her father was obviously a minor prince, so there was. 
kind of like there wasn't a lot of hope that they would make a good match through him but like I said her mother even though her family was like kind of minor nobility they had all of these really good connections so they're hoping they can pull strings from that side and uh, there were actually tentative plans pretty early on to have her married to her cousin and his name was Carl Peter Ulrich and at the time he was heir to Sweden so it's pretty exciting because she's thinking, okay, I'll become the queen of Sweden one day. And considering she's a princess of like some backwater little German principality, like queen of Sweden is a huge step up. So they're pretty excited about this. Um, obviously, her mom is like, you know, freaking out. This is exactly what she wanted. So uh, and Carl Peter is going to be pretty important in this story, uh, but not for Swedish purposes. Um at the same time, or around the same time, uh, her maternal uncle also made a pass at her, which is super weird because she's, like, still a young teenager. Uh, and she was actually kind of tempted by this offer. Oh. But uh, there was still part of her that wanted to be queen. So, because obviously, like, her mom's brother isn't nearly as important as, like, a future king. So she's not, she's like tempted, but she's not sure what she wants to do. So she says yes to his proposal, but she says it like, it's like, yes, but uh, with the caveat that you have to get my parents permission, which is probably the smartest way, the smartest way you could do that. Cause you're like, not, then it's not, it's out of her hands. Yeah. And of course her mother, Joanna was crazy about like upping the status. She knows her own brother isn't an upgrade. So, uh, she says no. I feel like this whole, like, cousin-uncle story is giving me some crazy West Virginia vibes. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. Basically, everybody's just marrying cousins all the time. But at least it's not an uncle, because an uncle would be closer. I can't imagine that. So, she gets rid of the uncle, which is nice. I don't actually know... Off the top of my head, I can't remember if um, Carl Peter Ulrich was, like, like a first cousin or if he was, like, a cousin, like, a few degrees out or, like, removed a couple of times. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if they were, like, super closely related. I have to look into it. I probably knew at one point and I've now forgotten. I feel like somehow everyone is related in some way all the time. Oh yeah, especially like this this person's cousin, and then this. These royal uh, families are so inbred. So yeah, it's definitely. (laughs) It's like impossible not to be at least a little bit related back then. Um, now this is gonna get a bit confusing because I've explained a little bit about Sophie's early life, but now we're gonna do like a whole Russian digression to like explain sort of what's been happening in Russia at this point, which obviously Russia hasn't been important yet. But since she'll be the Empress of Russia, you can see why that would be a thing. Um, So I am actually going to send you a photo. Because I don't know if anyone can tell, but Sarah and I obviously aren't together right now. Because, you know, it's dangerous. It's COVID. Um, If you're listening in the future, we still have COVID right now. Um, I always forget that, like, people could be listening to this in, like, 2027. (laughs) It's crazy to think about. I am afraid of that year. Um, not that one particular, times. but hopefully the world is still standing. <laughs> we don't even know that we could be gone by then. Uh, but so I'm going to send a photo to Sarah, 
Um, I'm going to be sending a couple, actually, to her to kind of help because this is a sort of name-heavy story. And these photos will be posted on my social media platforms, which I'll link or... Well, they could be linked in the show notes, but they'll also be, like, verbally stated at the end of the episode if you are not familiar with where you can find me. Uh, but you can find them there so that you can look at these images as well because it's a bit confusing. So basically, we're going to do a Russian digression um, to explain what's happening over there. So basically, right now, um, Russia is being ruled by an empress. So it's uh, a woman in charge. It's kind of like for us, probably a gasping moment. And her name is Empress Elizabeth. She was a daughter of Peter the Great. Um, Peter the Great is probably one of the names that most people are familiar with, even if you're not like a big history buff. And the line of secession is pretty weird. So essentially, I have this image that sort of explains how the crown is passed. So Peter the Great takes power. He actually takes power alongside his half-brother, Ivan or Ivan, but technically I think Ivan's like closer to the right pronunciation. And so uh, his brother, Ivan, and Peter the Great together come to power. They are half brothers. Ivan actually had the better claim because he was from uh, their father's first marriage and Peter was from the second marriage. But Ivan was sort of like mentally and physically impaired. And so they didn't really think that he was a good contender for the throne. But the issue was that his brother had been the the, uh, the emperor prior to this, the czar. And he had died sort of under mysterious circumstances. And there was worries that um, because they were from two different mothers, so that like Ivan and his brother, the first czar, were from the same mother. And then Peter was from a separate one. Some people thought that like Peter and his family connections from his mother's side had purposely poisoned the first czar um, or like the, the czar at the time. They had purposely poisoned him and knowing that Ivan was like mentally like not capable of being a czar on his own, that it would mean it would pass to Peter. So some people were kind of not happy with the idea that he was going to take power. So instead they actually come to power together and they technically co-rule um eventually Ivan does die and peter rules on his own there's like a million podcasts people can listen to about peter if you want more information on him he lived a long and interesting life he wasn't the best guy but he did a lot of things to really modernize russia and kind of bring it into the more like european playing field so that's a lot to say about somebody that's not important to the story um but essentially it starts with Peter in this kind of line of succession that I'm explaining. When he dies, instead of passing it to, like, his children or, like, nieces and nephews or something, it actually goes to his wife, Catherine I. And Catherine I was actually born a peasant. And she was his second wife. And he married her because he loved her. He thought he was that she was really cool. She was a very formidable person, even though she had been born a peasant. Um, she had this like very strong personality and she kind of took charge. So he left her the throne and she was, as far as I know, the first woman to ever rule Russia on her own. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, there we go. But so she took power for a couple of years and then eventually she dies as well. Um, he actually doesn't have sons, Peter. He had two daughters. So instead it passed to one of his grandsons, Peter the second. And he dies, he, he rules, and then he dies at age 14. 
At this point, there's a little note on my uh, progression map, but there's a funny story where um, Peter II dies, it, like, or like they find out that he's dead at nighttime. I'm not actually sure if he died at nighttime, but it's like they discover it at nighttime. And um, Elizabeth, who at this time is obviously not Empress, she's just the daughter of a former czar. Um, she has like one of her men come running into her room at night saying like, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, the czar has just died. You should take power. Like you are the daughter of Peter the Great. Everyone like knew Peter the Great. He was a really kind of formidable person in Russian history. You are his daughter. You need to take power. And instead of like getting up and going out there and proclaiming herself empress, she literally rolled over and went back to sleep. (laughs) Oh, a girl after my own heart. <laughs> she was like, not today. She was about 20 years old at this time. She was pretty young still. Um, so she was like, not today. It's fine. Um, and obviously, when you roll over and go back to sleep, uh, the country doesn't wait. So somebody else, basically by morning, had already proclaimed themselves uh, to be in charge. And it was actually a woman called Anna. It was uh, Elizabeth's cousin. She was the niece of Peter the Great. She was actually the daughter of Yvonne, who I mentioned earlier. Um, The one who, like, was not really capable of being czar on his own. Uh, He had apparently had children, and one of them was Anna. Obviously, at this point, this whole story is basically about, like, the women who are related to former czars in some way. They're, like, wives or daughters, um all fighting over the throne through their own connections to the czars. So she was connected to a former czar as well. So her claim was pretty much just as good as Elizabeth's. So she like, you know, it's not weird that she took power. Um, But she had herself proclaimed empress. So she rules for 10 years. And at this point, Elizabeth's like not bothered by it. She's fine. She's in her 20s. She's figuring out her life and stuff. You know, I'm I'm in my 20s. You're in your 20s. (laughs) I don't want to be ruling a country. I'm not ready. I am not ready. She was finding herself. She was taking her gap years. Yes. Uh, But, so Elizabeth's cool with this. Um, And so her cousin Anna rules for 10 years. And that's not an issue. But then Anna dies. And at this point, Elizabeth is in her, like, right around 30. And so she's thinking, like, yeah, I'm ready now. I've had my time. I can be the empress. So she's pretty pissed off when uh, Anna decides to leave the throne to her niece's son so uh so it gets a bit confusing but she has a niece who is also called anna uh, her name is anna leopoldovna so i'm just gonna call her anna leopoldovna to not confuse our two annas but the other anna is dead anyway so she's done um but anna leopoldovna is the one who becomes regent because her son who technically is the new emperor is like two months old so, oh my god! You know, instead of instead of former emperor, uh, former empress Anna leaving the throne to her cousin who's thirty, she decides to leave it to a two month old. Uh, but I think she like knew her her niece who would become regent like fairly well. So I guess that was why they made that decision. Having said that, um, her niece Anna Leopoldovna, the new regent of the country, who's like running the show in her son's stead. She had actually grown up in Germany as well. And by Germany, I mean, like, one of these Holy Roman Empire, like, principalities. So she had um, German sympathies. So when Elizabeth finds all this out, she starts playing up all these kind of 
anti-German sentiments in the country because Russians aren't like super friendly with Germany <laughs> or like not Germany, but you know, these little German states. Um, they don't hate them or anything, I don't think. Like, it's not, like, raging, but they're not friends. And so she starts saying, like, oh, like, your regent is a German woman. Your czar is two months old. <laughs> like, hmm, how's that going to go? So um, this new emperor, technically, who is called Ivan VI, who is, you know, an infant, he rules for about a year, a little over a year. And then eventually he is overthrown. So Elizabeth basically leads a coup because she's decided that she's had enough after a year of being ruled by a baby and a German woman. Uh, she leads a coup and they have um, Regent Anna Leopoldovna and her son Ivan the Sixth or Ivan the Sixth, if you will. Uh, she has them both imprisoned. I envision this going like, you know, because... It was just this coup against this, like, basically this little, like, 12-month-old. I just imagine her, like, storming into a playroom and be, like, taking a toy out of his hand. Be like, it's my time. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> Put him in timeout. There's only room for one of us in this town. <laughs> so, yeah. So she bonked that baby right over to prison. And uh, he's actually pretty sad. He spends, like, the next many years of his life in prison eventually Anna Leopoldovna is allowed to leave prison but her son is not because as a former czar who's still alive it's actually pretty problematic to have him like existing in the world because at any point if people don't like the new empress they could try to lead a coup against her and like bring him back so even though he's a literal baby and he's never for one day in his life actually reigned because he's a child, um, he's really dangerous to have existing in the world. So she she doesn't kill him because she could have, but she imprisons him, which sucks. So that's happening. And uh, she becomes empress. So that's kind of where I start. Some, like, that's where this story starts, basically. We've gone, we've done like a gone back in the past and explained how she became empress um but she is empress currently in the story um she was incredibly popular with the people she was this young beautiful like 32-ish i think when she comes to power uh she's an avid horse rider she likes to wear like men's trousers when she rides horses and she's got like apparently hella nice legs as a result because it's very athletic um she does not have her own children. She never officially marries. Uh, she did have many lovers, which is, like, kind of scandalous. But also, apparently nobody was that bothered about her, which is interesting and weird. Because usually people find that to be problematic in the past. <laughs> so, she got away with it. Um, but she never officially marries. Although one of her lovers, a Ukrainian peasant, actually may have become her secret husband. But if he was, they, like, never announced it or made it official or anything. Such a scandal. <laughs> so, she's pretty... I mean, I think she's kind of fun, like... I do. You know, I think she just sounds like a total badass. Just somebody who just does not give shit. Like, she's... <laughs> and she's a pretty good, like, in terms of actually handling the government, um, she's not somebody who's, like, totally disengaged. Like, she's still doing her job. She mm -hmm. might not have done it necessarily, like, the best, or she might not have been, 
like one of the better rulers or anything, but she was still heavily involved in like the day to day affairs. She didn't just pawn it off on someone else. Like uh, a baby. But, yeah. <laughs> like a baby. Um, and so when she took power, because she does not have children, uh, she has a nephew who, funnily enough, is called Carl Peter Ulrich. And uh, he was a German. I think you'll remember his name from earlier. He was a German boy. Um, he was the son of her sister. Her sister had passed away. Like I said, uh, she was the son. Or she was the son. She was the daughter of Peter the Great. And he had had two children, two daughters. And one of them had married a German man, a, uh, a man from one of these Holy Roman Empire principalities. And so she'd gone with him to live there and they'd had a child together. So technically, this child, which is her nephew, mm-hmm. is of is of Russian blood. Like he's a grandchild of Peter the Great. Blah blah blah. Like you know, he's got the lineage. But he was raised in Germany, which apparently is like you know something it's that you can. It's a it's a big no no right now. <laughs> you can just easily turn that into something that people hate. Um, so he has his German ass name, Peter or Carl Peter Ulrich, uh, because of his German ass father. Um, and this, when he was going to become the czar, or like when he was named next in line, uh, his name was changed to Peter Fyodorovich, which is like a horrible pronunciation of a Russian name. So I'm sorry, Russians. Like, I'm not trying to butcher this. Um, and so at this point, because you'll remember him from earlier, probably Carl Peter Ulrich. He was the one who Sophie was going to marry her cousin and he was the heir to Sweden. Well, uh, because this all happens and his uh, his aunt is now Empress of Russia and he's being named as her successor, he actually is no longer going to take Sweden one day. He is going to eventually be the czar. So uh, while this is all happening, uh, of course, Joanna from earlier is connected in some way to Empress Elizabeth. She's got all these family connections. So she kind of knows or like has spoken to Empress Elizabeth in the past. So she is trying to keep Sophie as his like intended bride, because the only thing better than like pawning her off to the heir of Sweden is the heir to Russia. So can that's you, pretty can cool. Can you imagine her. being this, this kid and just being like, no, I don't, I don't want that country anymore. I want this bigger one. It's, it's shiny and nicer. Honestly, though, I think if he could have chosen, and now I don't really, I'm not positive about this. This may have been in the book I read and I've just like forgotten. Um, But as far as I know, he probably would have preferred to take Sweden um, because he was a huge, like as a German, uh, he loved the Holy Roman Empire. He loved Prussia. Um, The Prussian, the Prussian King Frederick the Great was his idol. And Russia and Prussia, which sound similar, but are very different places. Prussia being one of these like larger German states at the time. um, They are actually like at war. Like there's a bunch of shit happening, but essentially like they have been kind of at odds for a long time. It has a lot to do with Austria and blah, blah, blah. If anyone has listened already... Uh, it's not like a requirement for this or anything, but if anyone has listened to the Maria Teresa episodes I did with my mom, who's super cool, um, 
they had a, a series of wars between Austria and Prussia, and Peter the Great was the one who was, like, leading on the Prussian side, and Russia tended to help the Austrians. So that meant that they were kind of always at odds with Prussia. And so the fact that this little German boy loves the Prussian king is, like, a little bit problematic. Ooh. That's so obviously, like, he's not in power, but they kind of see, like, what could be one day, and they're not that happy about it. But it's enough for Joanna that he's going to be czar one day, so she's like, get my daughter in there. So at this point, she and her mother decide to travel to Russia in winter, which is a terrible idea. No, no, too cold. (laughs) It was a horrible idea. Um, But they're going to travel to Russia, and they're going to meet Peter. And apparently, according to the books I read, uh, he was very ugly and looked like a fish. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) He had had a drinking problem since he was 10 years old. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being an alcoholic at 10 years old? Oh, my God. (laughs) So he had had his own problems. Also, um, he, like I said, he loved Prussia. And Prussia was pretty militaristic at the time. I mean, Prussia, even in more modern times, is a very militaristic place. Um, And so he was obsessed with soldiers. And so he had all these toy soldiers, like these wooden toy soldiers that he loved to play with. And he also loved real soldiers, which was kind of weird. And that, like, comes up later in the story, I think. Um, But he was like, that was like his obsession with soldiers. Um, he wasn't a big fan of Russia, like I said, and he didn't want to learn the language. He didn't want to become Russian Orthodox, which was a pretty important thing for any, like, future emperor to be, was to join the church. And he did not want to marry Sophie. Uh, he was only doing it because his aunt, the empress, wanted it. So, he, like, wasn't, he wasn't really into the idea of this marriage. Um, and so when they get there... And they've traveled all their way, you know, over the snow. Yeah, she has all these, all these hopes and expectations. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty disappointing when you find out that your like, future husband looks like a fish. He's a drinking problem. He just wants to talk about soldiers. And he doesn't even like you. <laughs> I'd be like, and, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> so, what, so what she decides to do is uh, she's going to not even bother really trying to impress her future husband she's going to impress the empress because like she's the one who's making all the decisions she's calling the shots here um and so what she did was she decided that she was going to like while she's living in russia she's going to learn a lot about the customs she wants to learn about orthodoxy because she was um a protestant having lived in Uh, part of germany so she wasn't um somebody who practiced russian orthodoxy for obvious reasons so she wants to learn about their religion she wants to learn the language so she ends up spending quite a lot of time with like a tutor basically while she's living in one of their palaces um to try to learn more about the country and like i said peter could not have given less of a shit about learning anything (laughs) to do with russia (laughs) so So Elizabeth, the empress, is really impressed when Sophie takes it upon herself to, like, spend all this time learning things. And then, supposedly, one night, she was, like, walking around her room at night, um, like, 
trying to talk like she's trying to like learn more i think she's trying to like learn the language and she ends up catching pneumonia and so empress elizabeth ends up nursing her to health or back to health herself so she's actually in the room like dealing with this girl who has pneumonia which was you know fairly dangerous back then to be just like nursing people back to health but the empress really liked her and she loved that when um when it seemed like sophie might die uh joanna her mother who was with her she said let's go call the lutheran clergyman and he can perform last rites in case something in case like the worst happens hmm. and sophie who is like literally dying right now she says no mom i don't want you to bring a lutheran clergyman i want you to bring an orthodox clergyman instead boom and she hasn't converted at this point so she's not actually part of the orthodox church but the court and the empress and everyone fucking loved that they were like oh my god this girl is so cool (laughs) because you know they just want someone who is going to like appreciate their stuff and peter couldn't care less so see this is the good thing about having female leaders (laughs) they actually try (laughs) they try Yeah, so she knew how to play the game, I think. I don't I don't honestly know. Like we can't say to what extent that was like genuine and, and to what extent that was purely political, but you have to assume that is a great PR move. Yeah, you gotta admire that. She's just so smart. And she's like still I don't like she's a young ish woman. Like I don't know her exact age at present, and I probably should. But uh, you know, she's in her teens. <laughs> she's not very old. Um, but so yeah, they loved this move. And then her mother, um, while they had been, while they were traveling to Russia, obviously like in wintertime, bad move, they'd actually stopped at the Prussian court and they had, you know, dined with Frederick the Great, blah, blah, blah. It had been really exciting. And while they were there, basically they had asked Joanna to spy on the Russian court and write back to them about, like, what was happening. So Joanna, while she's trying to get her daughter married to, like, the future emperor, they are all, she's also kind of keeping an eye out, keeping an ear out, trying to figure out, like, if there's anything juicy to write home about. And like I said, Joanna had spent her whole life wanting to do something important. Like, she she just wanted to do anything that would make her life interesting or like get her in the history books. She just didn't want to be like a boring wife of some random backwater prince. I feel like if she were to have lived in modern times, she would be on The Real Housewives. <laughs> yes, I was just going to say she'd be like a YouTuber or something, but honestly, Real Housewives is probably the closest to what she would be. <laughs> I was just thinking YouTube because like anyone can do that but she'd be like think she'd be like that person who like has a really shitty youtube like basically me with podcasting because i don't think i'm gonna get famous from it but she'd have like a really tiny youtube channel and she'd constantly be saying like oh like i'm it's gonna get big like i swear i'm gonna i'm you know one day i'm gonna be at vidcon like it's fine (laughs) so like she would be she'd always be thinking there would be something more uh and you know you gotta kind of admire it but this was dumb as fuck oh yeah because because Elizabeth finds out that Joanna is spying on them. Oh, no. So Elizabeth is pissed. Like, Sophie has just done everything she can to make them like her. 
and now her mom has been discovered as a spy. And so there went like all of that, but they were going to make Sophie and her mom leave, but she begs the empress to stay. And they, and finally it's decided that like, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess we'll, we'll let you stay. We'll keep the marriage alliance. Um, but just so you know, your mom is on thin ice and her mom actually was allowed to stay for the wedding. Um, but her husband, who was going to be invited as well to come and stay for the wedding, he ended up getting, like, nixed from the guest list. Which is kind of weird, because none of this was his fault. It was oh, yeah. just I his wife's to- fault. I totally would have kicked that bitch out. Be like, Nana, you're done. Yeah, you can go. But, yeah, they, they let her stay. She was on thin ice. And I think from that point on, like... I mean, obviously, they had been checking her letters even before they knew she was a spy, because that's how they found out. Um, but, like, she was, she was like, under, you know, she was kept on a tight leash, essentially. They weren't sending out letters to Prussia anymore. Um, but, yeah, she was allowed to stay, which I guess was good. And so, eventually, Sophie was baptized into the Russian Orthodox Church, uh, which was kind of a prerequisite for being able to get married. So, that had to happen first. And uh, she was able to choose a new name uh, in the church. And so she chose Ekaterina or Catherine. And she chose that name because uh, Elizabeth's mother, who I mentioned earlier, Catherine I, uh, she wanted to basically, it was basically just more, it was like partially sucking up to Elizabeth by choosing her mother's name as her own. And it was partially propaganda. I mean, Catherine I somebody who, you know, had ruled on her own, but also had been a, you know, a pretty well-known wife of Peter the Second, or not Peter the Second, Peter the Great, Peter the First, uh, Peter the Great. And so she chooses the name Catherine after her. And at this point, she's also made a Grand Duchess of Russia. So she is Grand Duchess. Moving up in the world. Yes. So she's kind of big shit now. And she's way more important than her mom. (laughs) Um... And so from this point on, just to, like, make it clear to everyone, she's now going to be called Catherine. So hopefully that'll make it easier. Okay, so at this point, I'm going to send you a photo. It basically has most of the pictures that I, or most of the people in images that I've already talked about. I think there's one extra person that I haven't brought up, but it'll just help explain who all these people are a little bit and their relationships to her so let me just send that and again this will be online for everyone to see um this is actually only half of the image i have cropped it so you can't see the second half of it uh because those people are not quite relevant yet and i don't want to spoil anything because i have listed on here like who all of these people are uh but listed on here is sophie slash catherine herself uh the empress elizabeth her essentially her aunt-in-law uh, her husband or her future husband Peter, and uh, her mother Joanna, Frederick the Great of Prussia, and a man called Bestujev. He was the chancellor essentially of Russia, so he hasn't actually come into the story yet. And I've marked on there. You'll see. Um, I have like a little key on it for anyone who goes to look. I've marked essentially if they're pro Prussia, pro Russia, or there's one character later who comes in who is sort of aligned to Russia and Poland. So he has his own little marking. Um, But 
that just explains like who people are. So if you get confused at any point, you can reference that. And then I'll send the updated one. I don't know if it'll be this episode or next episode. So basically, yeah. So you can reference that image. But she is now a Grand Duchess. She is Catherine. And she will be Catherine for the rest of the story. So we're saying goodbye to Sophie. And while this was all happening, Joanna basically acted like a spoiled child. Um, the, the day of um, the conversion into orthodoxy, they had like a big, you know, fancy dinner for everybody because they're celebrating this new Grand Duchess, uh, the person who's going to marry the heir to the throne. And so uh, she, Joanna, she gets really upset because she wasn't invited to sit at, like, the most important kind of, like, royal table uh, with her daughter and, you know, her daughter's future husband and the empress. Because she thinks she should be there. She's the family of the person that they're celebrating. But she's just, like, straight up not important enough. And she had been spying. And, like, nobody was that keen to just, like, throw her a bone anymore. So, basically, she throws this temper tantrum. And Empress Elizabeth reacted to her temper tantrum by moving her to a table all by herself oh my god what a savage i literally have in my notes hashtag shade (laughs) so so the shade of it all so uh yeah empress elizabeth was not playing anymore she's like you literally do not have a leg to stand on here um at this point they're not married yet um but peter gets sick and uh he gets smallpox actually oh my god and so it's like real bad they do think that he's probably gonna die and um eventually he overcomes it so he does survive um but smallpox obviously is one of those diseases that like especially back then when they didn't have like modern medicine it tended to leave really bad scars And so he looked like a fish before, so this made him even uglier. Like, this is literally noted historically that he was even uglier. So so when she sees him for the first time, she kind of, like, you know, she, like, has a small reaction to seeing his face after the smallpox. And apparently when he saw her reaction, it, like, he just, like, went instantly frosty towards her. Like, he already didn't like her and, like, wasn't keen on the marriage and, like, did not care. But he was not pleased when she thought he was ugly. <laughs> so it didn't make things great for them. And uh, Elizabeth decided that she wanted these kids to start making their own kids. So uh, at this point, they were 16 and 17 years old. Oh and she's God. like, she's like, start having babies. So you had to get married. So they do get married in 1745, and they are 16 and 17, and so yeah, the wedding takes place. Uh, Catherine actually kind of noted to, I think, because Catherine wrote some pretty extensive uh, diaries of her own and like wrote about her own life. So she noted, when I promised myself something, I cannot recall ever having failed to do it. So even though she thought he was ugly, even though he didn't like her, like, she was going to do this. So they uh, do get married. And from that point on, you can imagine that they have a very cold relationship. Uh, they were forced 
to go to bed together that first night. And they did not consummate their relationship at all, supposedly. Not even just that first night, but I mean literally, like, at all for many years of their relationship. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so, yeah. So, it wasn't great. Um, like I said, he was obsessed with, like, toys and soldiers, specifically Holstein soldiers, which Holstein being um, part of the Holy Roman Empire. So... Uh, so he was obsessed with, like, soldiers, and she read philosophy. She loved philosophy, and uh, she was a very avid reader. And so Elizabeth started getting angry because she basically married them at these ages because she wants them to start making babies. Like, she didn't have children herself, and she'd chosen her nephew as a result of that, but, like, part of that was that he needed to have kids because otherwise who are they going to pass it to from there? It's going to go to, like, some rando. Yeah, yeah. So, she's like, you guys need to be having babies. Can you please pretend like you like each other? They're like, absolutely not. (laughs) We can't do that, sorry. (laughs) And so, she starts kind of being bitchy to them. Like, she had been a big fan of Catherine when, when Catherine, you know, had done all these things to, like, ingratiate herself to the Empress. But after all of that, they're not having kids. So, she's like, "Mm, okay, like, you guys need to start doing the do so she yeah she gets a little bitchy and uh she would remove their friends from their entourage and uh because like you know they have like their kind of little court circle and she would make people leave essentially and pull them from court and she would put people who hated them and that they didn't really like in their places so uh eventually like Catherine was pretty personable so even though that she would make them spend their days with people that didn't like her eventually Catherine would come to like her adversaries and they would actually come to like her as well so she would kind of be able to turn people's opinions of her around and so anytime that the servants like not servants necessarily although some of them actual servants but then like the the members of the court who like were part of their inner circle and who might actually be like ladies in waiting and stuff who might help her do some of her things like getting dressed and like eating dinner with her and stuff like anytime they became friends they would be taken away too (laughs) so she just kept putting people that hated them in place as soon as Catherine like became friends with them and changed their opinion of her they would be out the door as well (laughs) so that's kind of mean and that's the same with servants any of the servants that started liking her would be removed and Elizabeth had a husband and wife team called, and I'm going to mess this up, um, the Choglikovs. I think that's right. I read, I should know this because I listened to the audiobook of the book that I read, but I don't remember if that was right. <laughs> um, the, the Choglikovs, uh, they were a husband and a wife, and they were basically like sort of overseers of Catherine, I guess, and they were meant to make sure. Uh, that she wouldn't see her friends and hopefully would see her husband more. And eventually, she actually kind of slowly became friends with Maria Nicholas Choglokov. Choglokov? Choglokov. I don't know. And so Maria Nicholas, the husband and wife, she kind of brought them around to being on Team Catherine. Um, 
But eventually the husband died and Maria was like sent away. So it's kind of sad. This, so I have to say that Catherine just sounds like an absolute PR gem. She, yeah, I just think that she's good. Like, I feel like she kind of knew how to play the game. And her husband does not. Like, he he doesn't even try to ingratiate himself to the people or to the court or anything. And I don't really... Like, what what was he thinking? <laughs> Boy brain. Boy brain. So, enter... Um, the first of our figures, his name is Sergei Saltikov. So um, basically what happens is she and her husband are living completely separate lives at this point. Like they might have to, you know, have a dinner together or something, mm-hmm. but they're basically, you know, they're, they're not involved with each other. I think they do sleep in the same bed, but like their lives are basically completely separate. And so she meets a man called Sergei Saltikov, and uh, he was kind of interested in her. Obviously, she's married. She's a grand duchess, so she's a little bit above him and a little bit out of his league and, you know, off limits. But I think that kind of made him like her more, which is, you know, always a problem. Like, that's problematic mm-hmm. in a man. But, uh, but it made her sort of, like, hard to get, and he was very intrigued by that. And she kind of liked the attention, you know. She's she's a like an older teen now. Um, she has a husband who literally couldn't care less about her. Uh, and so at this point, she's like, all right, like I've literally got nothing better to do. So they have an affair. Uh, and that's a problem because she is in a marriage where they have not actually consummated the marriage. Mm-hmm. Um so it'll be a it'll be hugely problematic if she gets pregnant because her husband is gonna immediately know that it's not his. So supposedly Saltikov uh, convinced Peter to sleep with his wife, <laughs> as any good uh, lover would. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, Peter, you should really go sleep with your wife." <laughs> and the thing is, is that Peter knew that they were having an affair. <laughs> He just couldn't care less. He uh, he actually thought it was funny because um, they have all these like adults in their lives who are basically keeping watch over them and trying to make sure that they have children together and keep them from their friends and blah blah blah. So they're kind of they've got minders basically keeping them in check all the time. So Peter thought it was funny. Because they were keeping secrets from these people who were watching over them. <laughs> and, like, he... I don't know. He just thought it was amusing. That's bizarre to me. But, yeah, so he knew about the affair. And Pe- and, and Saltykov was like, hey, Peter, like, I'm sleeping with your wife. Can you also please sleep with your wife? <laughs> so, like, weird, but okay. Uh, yeah, so he wasn't bothered by the whole thing. And so, eventually, um, she does become pregnant and obviously it is probably salty cobb's child but for all intents and purposes it's peter's child because that's her husband and Mm -hmm. technically as far as i know they did sleep together so it like there's plausible deniability there but as soon as she gets pregnant salty kind of starts pulling away a little bit 
because mm-hmm. you know yeah like it was the thrill of the chase and the thrill is now gone <laughs> the chase because, has ended <laughs> like essentially for him it was just this excitement of like like sneaking in and you know or like not really sneaking in because you know but like sneaking around as a member of the court and like getting into her bedroom and sleeping with a member of the imperial family and blah 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 that just runs of excitement yeah so he just really liked kind of being the other man but like now they're gonna have a baby i mean it can't be like officially his anyway but like he's he's done it you know he's conquered what he was trying to conquer so <laughs> so he basically just sort of pulls away but uh her son was born and he was considered Peter's child, obviously, and he was named Paul. And uh, basically, she had a like a pretty traumatic birth. It was like a horrible thing. I think she gave birth on the floor. Um, and as soon as she gives birth, um, basically, they're like, hey, this baby's out. Cool. Elizabeth wants him. <laughs> She's like, what? Just got snatched up. Sorry, baby snatcher? <laughs> so, Elizabeth essentially wanted to raise the child. Um, it's not hers. It's, like, her grand-nephew. So, like, not even, you know. You know, those, like, you know sometimes those maternal instincts kick in later in life, and you just gotta yeah. steal your great-nephew. Yeah, I mean, sometimes just be that way. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, Elizabeth basically, like, because obviously she had literally just given birth she can't leave her rooms. Like, birth at any point in life is traumatic, but, like, back in the past, it was incredibly traumatic. Also, like, in terms of the court, you couldn't, like, be re-established in, like, the court and also in the church until you, like, went through an official process of, like, re-entering the church after so many weeks and, like, basically they, like, blessed you again. Because oh. you were, like, almost... Like, there was something kind of, like unclean about you in a way which is weird just you know it's just your standard you know just patriarchal bringing another life into the world i'm dirty a dirty hoe (laughs) so yeah so they did they had there was like a whole complicated process and like most countries in europe would have been doing the same thing because like whatever branch of christian you are it was it was fairly similar, I think. I'm not sure maybe if all the Protestants did that, but I would I would guess so. But definitely, yeah, the Orthodox churches. So she hadn't been churched or anything. She'd literally just given birth, so she can't just, like, go chase after her baby. How is the baby, like, okay to take at that point? Because I feel like back then you would have to, like, nurse your child. So I feel like um, it would be slightly problematic to just be like, all right, child is born, and we're taking I'm it away. thinking... I mean, I don't know the specifics of this case, but I'm thinking they probably had wet nurses available. Um, Potentially, she wouldn't have even expected to nurse the child herself at all. Hmm. Um, A lot of royal women would basically bring in some other woman who was also nursing at that time, and that woman would just do that for her. So, just perks of being rich. (laughs) So... um, But yeah, so as a result of this, Catherine, like, did not see her son a lot. And this lasted for, like, a long time. Obviously, eventually she could, like, leave her rooms and she could go, like, visit her son. But she didn't really raise him, like, at all. I I can't even imagine just, like, 
birthing a child and then having nothing to do with it. I'd be like, I'd, right, be, I'd, I'd be so salty. <laughs> but like, I guess my thing too, because back then it wasn't actually that weird for a noble woman or like a woman who's in the royal family of like any country to not raise her children. Um, they, in some instances, they would be raised by like members of a household so they'd have like a like a nanny essentially a tutor blah 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 um and they would be raised by others they might even live in separate places like for instance this is totally different country and slightly different time period actually like pretty different time period about 200 years difference um but in england the tutors um when when henry VIII's first wife gave birth uh she had a daughter called mary and Mary, from a pretty young age, not a baby, but, like, probably, like, five-ish, I don't know, she was sent to live in Wales. And her mom was living, you know, in London or wherever the king yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. No, we we talked a lot about this that first night because I, <laughs> I originally, when we first started talking about it and then we were kind of in, I was like, well, where does Henry VIII fit in? And you are like, oh, h- hold on. We're going to get Keep there. coming. <laughs> I always, whenever I'm trying to explain something, like, kind of weird i always feel like i go to the tutors because that's just like i just have weird stories about them (laughs) but yeah so so mary their child was sent to live in wales because she was princess of wales so they were like better go get her over there like they're gonna want to see their princess (laughs) so um so yeah so so children were often sent other places uh to to be raised but the thing is is that like it's not like they always 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 had to be living in the exact same palace because you know technically elizabeth could be one place and catherine could like catherine and peter might go somewhere else or like catherine and peter might go different places like not even together or whatever um but generally speaking you're wherever the court is and the court is wherever she like she the empress is Mm -hmm. um so for the most part they're living in the same palace but it's it's a massive palace. There's a lot of different households living there. And so even in the same building, she like just did not see her son a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, they basically just didn't have a relationship for all of his like kind of formidable years. Mm-hmm. And that actually affected Paul quite a lot as an adult to like not really see her as a mother which is interesting but like kind of weird but yeah so basically the long and short of it is is that uh Soltikov came into her life gave her a child presumably uh which is technically not of the blood um if it actually was his child and then he dips and uh so now she's got a kid and she decides, you know, she's living life, doing her do, and she meets another guy. She's about 25 now. You know, time's passed. She meets another guy. He is also, by the way, listed on your uh, little who's who sheet, and his name is Stanislaw Poniatowski. What a name. And I Honestly, Soltikov Poniatowski, like, these are, like I vibe with these names. So. You do. They're like actual fun names in history. So, like, Russian and Polish names, I'm probably slaughtering them, so, again, my apologies, but, like, they really just have, like, a, like a ring to them that I like. 
So anyway, Stanislaw Poniatowski, uh, he was Polish and he was this kind of romantic European man. Uh, Soltykov, you know, I I kind of think of Soltykov as like your typical rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so he was like in and out. But, but Poniatowski was this like really romantic guy. He um, was like, he seemed to genuinely care about her and, and he grew to love her. He pursued her kind of because of these actual like romantic interests and not because it was like a challenge. Um, And because, because Saltykov had rejected her and she's been perpetually rejected by her husband, she kind of liked this guy's passion. She's like, "Mm." and uh, Poniatowski wrote that uh, quote, my whole life was devoted to her. Which is so Aww. sweet. I feel like he is like the Prince Charming that she was expecting to find when she traveled to Russia that first yeah. time. Yeah. Like, he's just like a genuinely, like, he sounds like a nice dude. Maybe, like, he was actually a horrible person and they just didn't write about that in history and, like, it totally got written to make him sound like a good guy. But, you know, you have to assume that if everyone's saying he's a good dude, like, he sounds like a good dude. <laughs> So, I don't know. I like Ponytowski. And, uh, meanwhile, while this is all happening, uh, this guy's pursuing her. Her husband, Peter, is playing with his toys. Again, he's got his little toy soldiers. He's an adult man. He's, like, 26 years old. Oh, my goodness. He's playing with his toys, and, uh, he decided to actually try a rat for treason. Because they had committed crimes against his toys. Oh my god, are you serious? Yeah. I think, I, I like, I'm not, I'm not positive about this. I have to check. But I think that he, like, the, like, he found that the rat had, like, tried to eat one of the toys or had, like, chewed on it or something. And so he tried this rat for crimes against his toys, his toy soldiers. And, like, of course... In his little mock trial that was probably held in his bedroom, um, he found the rat guilty. Oh, Jesus. And so so he created a tiny little gallows. No! And he actually hanged the rat. Oh, my God. Please tell me that the empress, like, walked in. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't even know. I'm like, what? So, he, yeah, he actually wasted time of his day hanging a rat from tiny little rat gallows can you imagine paul walking in be like hey dad oh my god and just like running out screaming what is happening in here so yeah so her husband literally could not have given less of a shit about her he's too busy hanging rats and then there's this like european dude and i have to say i'm pretty like i don't think poniatowski was like that attractive but he was so interested and he cared and he was an intellectual and he was this like you know really just kind of romantic fun european guy he didn't hang rats from the gallows yeah like he had a little more sense than to be doing that stuff so long story short like she's pretty interested in this guy (laughs) and so they um she ends up kind of deciding to be with him obviously and eventually he is sent back to poland and Catherine's not happy about it 
Uh, so she wants to recall him. And, you know, because he was probably sent back because of their, you know, clandestine affair. Yes. But, uh, but she wants to recall him. And on your little person list thing, there's Chancellor Bastuzhev. And she had originally been somebody that he did not like. Bastuzhev was um, very anti-German. And so when she originally arrived, her and all her Germanness. Um, he was pretty against her as a person. He had done a lot of things that, like, I just didn't have time to get into in this story. But, like, he had basically just tried to kind of find subtle ways to undermine her. Not even really, like, in a mean, like, personal way. But just, like, politically, it was smart for him to, like, do these things. Like, obviously, it's shit for her. But, like... It's one of those things, like, it's a dog-eat-dog world. So he was just doing things to try to, like, undermine her because it was better for him to be anti-German. And at this point, like, everyone else that she seems to have come into contact with, except her husband, she had actually managed to make him like her. So after living in Russia for several years now, uh, he actually liked her a lot because, unlike Peter... She was trying to adopt all these Russian customs, and she was very intelligent. She loved to read. Reading was basically the thing that she spent the most of her time doing. Um, so he ended up actually helping her to recall her lover back to court in Russia. So, like, that's how wild it is that, like, she hated her husband so much that the chancellor of the country was like, yeah, we can bring your lover back. It's fine. We'll make it happen. Oh my gosh, so, that's wild. Yikes. But I also I feel like he's just like waiting for Peter to die. And he's like, <laughs> oh, then we will have Catherine and it will be fine. Well, you might be thinking wrong like the right way. Ooh. Um so so she and uh Ponytowski comes back and she and Ponytowski have a daughter together, you know, presumably. It could have been Peter's, but it's presumably Ponytowski's. Oh my gosh. Um, although Peter obviously claims this this daughter, and her name is Anna Petrovna. Um, in in like, Ru- obviously in Russia and in lots of other places, but obviously Russia is what we're talking about. Um, they have these patronyms in their names. Mm-hmm. So her first name being Anna, that's just her name. But Petrovna literally means like the daughter of Peter. So she was given that from him, and. Uh, her her son would have been like Paul, and then he also would have had like, I think like Petrovich or something similar like that, like the male version of saying like son of Peter. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. Um, I'm sure you remember Cat, uh, one of our older friends. Um, she was trying to explain it to me one day, and her dad's name is Evgeny. So both her and her sister have the middle name Evgenia. Yes, 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 yes. That makes sense. And so it's their, so they use it as a middle name. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it kind of is like a, a middle name for them, too. Because technically, like, other people would have a last name. They don't really use last names because they're, like, the royal family. I mean, their, they're, like, familial name is Romanov, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that, that goes right down to the end to our, our Bay Anastasia. Rip. <laughs> I feel like we need to throw in there that we... We're so smart in eighth grade social studies that we didn't have to take the final 
and got to watch Anastasia on a portable DVD player in the back of the classroom. Yes, and uh, we we really both we both love you know 1997 classic animated Anastasia film. Uh, we're you know we're also both you know grown up enough to know that that is not in fact what happened. <laughs> um, but you know. It, it's a fun, it's a fun non horrifying story for children. So yeah, it has it has good music. Um, it definitely you know because if you actually tried to make an animated film about what actually happened, that would be horrific. <laughs> that would be terrifying. So. But yeah, so actually they are direct descendants of Paul. Oh wow! So um, so so technically they're direct descendants of Catherine. Whether or not they're actually of the blood related to Peter at all and to Elizabeth through like Peter's mother who would be Elizabeth's sister and like Peter the Great and stuff that is hugely up for debate because obviously we assume that Saltykov was the father but technically dynastically it's Romanov all the way down yeah um it's all good they they got the last name yeah, I mean, even even before that, just when it comes to being, this is so this is so technical and not actually that important. But they're like Romanovs from like a different branch. They have like an extra. It's like Romanov and then two other names that I can't think of right now. But it's because of the fact that Peter isn't actually, um, like the son of a son of Peter the Great. He's the son of a daughter. And so technically his father, he like sort of gets like his father's title as well, or like his his father's like family name. Yeah. So even though they they go by Romanov, from from all of Peter's children on, so from Paul down straight to um Nicholas II and like his children, mm-hmm. they're all they're all Romanov, but they're technically like Romanov like Gator or something else something ah, i don't know actually. Okay, okay i don't know off the top of my head but yeah so they have like a weird like extra thing that makes it like another branch even though they're probably not even related to <laughs> peter the second or peter the third rather so whatever but you know that's how that's how it works that is incredibly like tedious to listen to <laughs> probably people so sorry we're getting back into the story but you know now you know so, so yeah, so she and Ponytowski have a daughter. Uh, they name her Anna Petrovna, so that she is literally Peter's daughter. Um, and once again, as soon as Catherine pops out a baby, she is like zipped off to being with the Empress. Um, so she never really has like a time that she's actually raising the child. And Anna Petrovna dies at 15 months old. Oh, so so she ends up actually not really being important to the story, but you know that happened, and she and Saltyka or she and Ponytowski rather, um, did probably together have a child. So uh, at this point, Elizabeth is getting older; uh, she's getting sicker, and Bastujev, the Chancellor, who I said is now firmly Team Catherine, is getting pretty stressed because he's like the Empress is dying. And I don't really want Peter to come to the throne. So he starts trying to write up papers that are basically trying to convince the people or, like, to name Catherine as heir. Um, so he he's trying to, like, make this a legal, official thing. Like, we're just going to bypass uh, her nephew entirely and give it straight to her niece-in-law. Like, they're not even 
at all related. They just immediately want to give it to Catherine. And uh, so he starts writing up these papers and it's kept a secret because obviously if the Empress had found out, he would have been killed. This is treason to be saying this because, you know, it's like they're trying to surpass the air and the Empress isn't even dead yet. And it's just this whole like mess of crap. So he was really putting his neck on the line here and he was putting Catherine in danger too, because if they found out it could have been a big deal. Um, but actually Catherine was aware that this was happening <laughs> and she was, she was kind of like, you better shut the fuck up. <laughs> don't get me. Don't get me in trouble. Honestly, same. Um, like when the tea is hot, and you're talking shit, like, don't mention names, like... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not part of... <laughs> snitches get stitches, man. Yeah, so she, she did know, though, and, like, this was a big deal for the Chancellor to be trying to do this shit, and, um, eventually, for completely unrelated reasons, uh, Bastujev is arrested, and he's eventually sent away. Um, I think he had had time to burn all of the evidence that he was trying to put Catherine on the throne. So she wasn't like directly implicated in anything, um, which is good. Cause that would have been hugely problematic for her, but he was like, he was really trying it. He was, he like was firmly team Catherine by this point, which is kind of funny. And uh, so he's sent away and Peter at this time starts finding somebody that he's kind of interested in so he hasn't ever been interested in his wife um they've been married for a while now like at least a decade and he's he's basically been forced to sleep with her a few times and he has given his name to children that are probably not his but now he's finally found somebody and she's one of Catherine's ladies hmm and so he takes this woman as a mistress her name is Elizabeth Vronceva, and uh, he, Peter also tried to cause problems with Poniatowski, because by this point, I feel like he's kind of getting bitchy, like, he's just, like, at first, he kind of thought it was funny that his wife was cheating, and now he's, like, being a little problematic, he's, like, an edgelord kind of guy, so. But at the age of, like, 27, yeah, like, late 20s. He's just, like, causing problems. So he starts to cause problems with Ponytowski. And so Catherine actually goes to her husband's mistress and says, Hey, Vronceva, like, if you could really do me a solid on this, I would owe you. <laughs> and it, I don't think she was, like, happy to do this. Like, this would have been a real, like, knock to her self-esteem to have to go to her husband's mistress and ask for help because he cared about her so little that he couldn't like give a shit about her opinions um and they actually ended up having like a weird awkward series of double dates that were called the menage a cat like people knew about this i guess or like what? maybe one of those things that it was like kind of whispered about in court and, yeah they they people are like so uh the like the zarevich like the the next in line to the throne and his wife are currently on a double date with their respective like people that they're seeing on the side <laughs> oh my god um so yeah, the menage a cat and um this actually pleased peter because he kind of felt like he was finally one-upping his wife because he had a mistress as well and he'd never done that before 
Um, and also, like, finding out that people knew about it made him feel important in a way or weird. I don't know. Like, he felt like... This guy is he, just so strange. I think he thought, like... Because people kind of knew. Like, it's not like they were announcing it or anything. Because that would have been a problem. But, like... Mm-hmm. People, people, you know, there are whispers. People knew that Catherine had had lovers. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he had a lover, he was like, he was like kind of excited about people like, knowing that he was doing this. He's like, I'm hot shit now. Yeah. And so, so he didn't really mind the idea of people like calling it a menage cat and stuff. But Catherine knew that the people knowing about this was dangerous for her. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a problem. It threatens her place in the imperial family. Like, he will always be the nephew of the empress and, like, the next in line to the throne. But she doesn't, she's not of the blood. She's here through marriage. So people knowing about their, like, marital problems <laughs> is puts her in danger. So she actually ends up ending the relationship with Poniatowski. Aww. So he, uh, yeah, it's all ended. And I think at this point, um, I don't know if it comes up later in my notes, but I think at this point she basically says, like, hey, can you just go to Poland? (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks. It's been fun. Bitch, bye. So, yeah. So, and he really cared about her. Um, Obviously, you know, there may have been a part of him that cared about her, you know, incidentally because she was so important. But it seems like he really did like her, too. Like, just as a person. Yeah. Um, I do have to ask, though. Does Elizabeth, the mistress, does she also like soldiers as well? Honestly, off the top of my head, I can't remember if she had, like, a weird... I don't think she had, like, you know, his level of weird fascination with them. But he, she must have played, like, a big game, you know? Like, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, man, my little my little soldiers. And she's like, yeah, your little soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, whatever it takes. I know, um, right? So, yeah. So, Elizabeth Bronsva was just doing her due. She's like, you know what? He's the emperor. Or he's, like, the emperor-to-be. So, uh, of course I like soldiers. It's fine. <laughs> um. And so Elizabeth, at this point, Elizabeth the Empress, uh, is, again, like, becoming unwell. And at this point, Frederick uh, Frederick the Great of Prussia is also becoming unwell. And so there was hope that he would die before Elizabeth dies. Because if Peter became emperor once he was already dead, like, it might be okay but if Frederick the Great is still alive when Peter becomes emperor, then it's going to destroy their foreign policy. Because at this point, like I said earlier, um, that they had been involved in some wars against Prussia because they were allied with Austria. At this point, they are currently at war with Prussia. Like, they're allied with Austria. I want to say it's the Seven Years' War at this point, which is, um, in America, the French and Indian War. And uh, it actually starts because of this whole, like, weird issue in Austria that has literally nothing to do with anything happening in America. But it just, like, weirdly bleeds over into the colonies. And just creates um, this whole thing. And, just you know, like this our, weird... our lovely city has a huge part in that. Yes, it does. And um, the Seven Years' War has actually sometimes been called 
the first world war in the sense that it starts in Europe and it's fought in Europe, obviously. Um, but because of these kind of colonial, like imperial powers, it ends up bleeding into America. And I think it also ended up being um, something that was fought in India as well. I feel like I remember hearing that as well. Um, so it it is kind of considered like you know it's not like a world war in the in the scheme of like you know like most of the countries in the world being at least somewhat involved, but you know it's a war that's fought in like a bunch of places, and a lot of them have nothing to do with the original conflict because the original conflict I think had something to do with Silesia, which is like this tiny like thing that was being fought over between Prussia and Austria. And it just like bled out into being a bunch of other conflicts. Every time a country got involved, somehow like it just became more and more intense. (laughs) Um, So again, if anyone's confused, I talk a lot more about that war in the Maria Teresa episodes. And I know a lot more about it in those episodes because I had my notes in front of me at the time. So now I'm just like talking out my ass. Um, But Yeah, so basically, they're at war with Prussia at this time, and if Frederick the Great could just die first, then they're like, maybe, maybe we'll be able to pull this off if Elizabeth dies too, because he might not want to destroy our foreign policy if the guy that he loves so much, because he loves Frederick the Great, but if he's dead, then he might not, like, Peter might not ally himself with Prussia so they're just like crossing their fingers like Elizabeth don't die yet don't die yet and uh, around the same time Catherine meets a war hero called Gregory Orlov Uh, he was one of five sons in the Orlov family and he was considered the hot one oh boy Uh, he had quote the head of an angel and the body of an athlete oh so he was banging, and uh, yeah, so she was really interested. And so she meets Gregory Orlov, and he was five years younger than Catherine. So, you know, she's, like, getting into, like, 30s territory now. And to meet a guy who's, like, younger and really hot and exciting. And so they start an affair. And their affair was secret, uh, because obviously she'd had to get rid of Poniatowski because of public knowledge. Uh, so it's a secret affair, but the guard regiment knew about it. Uh, so they're in the know and it was weirdly considered an honor for their regiment because they were like, oh, like our, our boy Gregory Orlov, like banging the Grand Duchess. (laughs) So they like knew for reasons and, uh, yeah, they were like really into it. It kind of made them like her more, which is weird. So she becomes pregnant, of course, with Orlov's child. Um, but at this point in her non-existent relationship with Peter, he is hoping to put her aside. Like, he's kind of starting to make plans of, like, getting rid of her. I don't mean, like, murder, but, you know, just, like, sending her away. Maybe, like, sending her to, like, a convent or something and marrying Vronceva instead. Like, um, bye, honey. Time to go to Siberia. <laughs> It's been real. It's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun. <laughs> so, so yeah. So he's thinking about getting rid of her, just dumping the wife, and uh, so he refused 
to claim that this was his baby. Oh, damn. And so she's trying to, like, hide this pregnancy. Oh, my so that God. It's because like, she doesn't want it to become a thing. Uh, so, yeah, so she's like, I'm going to hide this. It's fine. And um, finally, on the 5th of January, 1762, Empress Elizabeth dies. Oh, my gosh. And coincidentally, that's just not really a coincidence, but Frederick of Prussia recovers. Whoops. So Peter, uh, they go to her funeral, obviously, and Peter basically acts like a fucking dick. He he goes and they have this long funeral procession, of course, because everybody has to line the streets mm-hmm. and they have they have to see like the the casket being taken in and where her body will be interred. Um they kind of want to be a part of, like, the funeral of their empress. Mm-hmm. So they have this, yes, they have this, like, long funeral procession. If you kind of think of it, like, I'm sure you and, like, literally everyone else on Earth has seen clips of Princess Diana's funeral procession. Yes. With, like, the boys obviously having to walk um, as part of that and, like, just, like, the crowds of people. So something similar to that. He, Peter, is walking in this funeral, but he's being such a dick about it. So every now and then, he would stop. Just, like, just completely stop walking. And, uh, and then he'd, like, let everything in front of him move forward. Everyone behind him has to stop, too. And then all of a sudden, he would, like, speed up really fast and, like, basically run so that his train, like, that he was wearing as part of his outfit would do, like, weird cape shit. Because it would be, like, fluttering behind him. And, of course, everybody... Because, like, when you're really important, you have people that, like, help hold your big train thing and, like, help you, like, look really regal. So you got all these, like, servant people running after him. (laughs) Trying to, like... (laughs) I don't even know. He is honestly, like, a five-year-old perpetually trapped in a grown man's body. He ah, oh, he's the worst. So yeah, so he's just like doing weird stuff. Like this is like a thirty-ish year old man, and he's just being a child. And meanwhile, you have Catherine, who is literally kneeling, weeping at uh, Elizabeth's casket. You know, like not when they're moving, obviously, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> when they're stationary. Like she's seen like weeping at this casket, and you know. Who knows if it was, like, honest. She she could have thought, for all we know, like, finally, this bitch is dead. Because we know that, like, eventually Elizabeth started kind of being catty towards her. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, they had an interesting relationship. Like, she learned a lot from Elizabeth. Elizabeth was fun. Elizabeth threw parties. I actually forgot to mention this because I didn't have it in my notes. But... Like I said, Elizabeth was a horse rider when she was younger, so she had worn pants, and she liked how she looked in pants. So she would throw these, like, court parties, like, balls, and um, they were basically, like, gender flip-flopped. So women would come dressed as men, and men would come dressed as women. (laughs) And, like, it was mandatory dress-up. Like, you had to partake. That is honestly incredible. So, like, and it was literally just because she's like, I look so good in pants. (laughs) And society says I can't wear my pants, so everybody's gonna be flip flop today. Um, An icon. So yeah, so so like you know, I don't know if like 
she could have really actually liked Elizabeth, even though Elizabeth kind of was a jerk sometimes. But either way, crying at her funeral, like beside the casket, like openly weeping, that is good optics for people that had pretty much liked Elizabeth. Like overall, there probably were problems with her that people had, but like it was a net positive opinion. (laughs) So yeah, so one of them is acting like a moron and one of them is acting like an actual member of the royal family. (laughs) And obviously Peter becomes Emperor Peter III and Catherine is named as Empress Consort. And uh, Peter makes some pretty big errors early on. He, like I said, he wants to emulate Frederick the Great. And so he chose to have Russia drop out of the Seven Years' War, despite the fact that Russia and her allies were actually doing pretty well. Like, Russia and Austria and, like, that whole team. Like, I don't want to say they were winning, because to be honest, I'm not a military history person and i'm sure if i say that they're winning somebody's gonna come back and try to like negate that and i don't really want to argue about it but like they were doing pretty well like they were on the up and up and so he he pulls russia out of the war um they turned on austria their ally to do this and then he gave back all of the prussian land that russia had won in, like, the course of the wars they've been fighting. So they had taken a bunch of Prussian land, and, like, people were happy about this. They're like, yeah, like, Russia kicking ass, like, taking names. And he's just like, yeah, you can have that back. Like, psych, you thought. And, like, if you think about all the people, like, all the Russian people who would have died to gain that land, and, like, if you're somebody who's, like, you know, your son dies in this war, and you're like, well, you know, at least they died, like, helping russia making russia a bigger country blah 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 like expanding the nation whatever the kingdom um and like yeah the people in those lands might not have been happy to be under russian rule now but like you might kind of console yourself if your child had died in that war by saying like you know it was all for russia so for him it just roll in and be like yeah yeah that's gone (laughs) like yikes (laughs) so it was bad Um, So he gives back all this land. He pulls them out of the war. He also wanted to go to war with Denmark over their issues because he loved Holstein. Uh, He loved, like, the Holstein soldiers. Like, that was the model of soldier that he, like, like, made people dress up as and stuff. He, like I said, he loved soldiers. And so he would, like, make people dress up as Holstein soldiers for some reason. He was weird AF. Um... And so he wanted to go to war with Denmark over, like, issues with... Because he owned land, like, in Holstein still from his German life. And I guess there were issues with that territory. And so he's like, hey, we just pulled out of this war. Why don't we go to war with Denmark? And everybody was like, um, why? <laughs> like, Russia doesn't have a problem with Denmark. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's because of Holstein. And they're like, yeah, but we don't care that you have land in Holstein. That's your problem. You're... You're meant to be Russian, not, like, some dirty German guy that we hate. (laughs) Um, Sorry to Germans, but, like, they just really hated Germans. It's fun. Um, I I won't take offense to it. (laughs) So, so he does all these, like, crap moves. It's just stupid right at the beginning. And he also tries to make the church more Protestant, which is kind of wild. Oh, my gosh. You could imagine 
how bad it would be to try to make the Catholic Church more Protestant. That would be terrible. I mean, that's literally the whole reason the Protestant churches exist, because the Catholics mm-hmm. are like, no thanks. But then you think about trying to bring that to, like, Russian Orthodoxy, and they're, like, intense about, like, their specific, like, religious practices. And he's up in there like, hey, why don't we just stop doing all this weird extra stuff that you guys are all into? Because we could we could really pare this down to, like, the essentials. And they're like, I don't think so. He'd be like, this is why it's different. They're like, who's this dude coming in here trying to tell us that we can't do, like, all of our religious practices? And they're like, yeah, that's that man is your czar, so what do you have to say to that? <laughs> so uh, he attacked the church um, and the army, like, pretty quickly. And if you can think about, like, the two worst possible things to do if you're in charge of a country is to immediately attack the church and the army. <laughs> So, yikes. And, uh, I, so Elizabeth, or not Elizabeth, Elizabeth's dead. Um, so Catherine actually wrote, quote, Peter III had no greater enemy than himself. All his actions bordered on insanity. So, yikes for him. Yep, that sounds accurate. She's really calling him out on it. And during these months, um, she finally gave birth to that illegitimate child with Gregory Orlov and it was officially illegitimate um and so his name was Alexei oh my god I'm gonna mess this up Alexei Gregorievich um so like even his name was they were they were just putting it out there like hey this one's not even Peter's it's fine son of Gregory (laughs) we're not even pretending this one this one's just someone else's (laughs) um and so Alexei was born, and, like, it's, like, a bad time for everyone involved. Uh, she realizes at this time that her husband wants to divorce her, or, you know, like, the equivalent of a divorce. And uh, he wants to be with Vronsova and make her the empress. Uh, obviously, she cannot allow this to happen because she's going to spend the rest of her life in, like, a convent or something. And that's not what she's about. She's wasted way too much time and energy getting to this point. Um so she and Orlov start making a plan to get rid of him. Bum, bum, bum. And that is where the episode's ending. Oh my god, that was such a cliffhanger. <laughs> so, yeah, because we've gone... I don't actually know, um, once people are listening to this, you know, the finalized product. It might be uh, hopefully shorter. Um, but we are currently at an hour and 40 minutes. So this has been a long one, but uh, we're going to leave it at that lovely cliffhanger of what happens next. Yes. Stay tuned for part two. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Sarah, for being here for part one. Um, And like I said, for like images and stuff that go along with this episode, all of my social media is going to be in the show notes, um, like on whatever app you listen to this. But you can find me on Twitter. It's at Happy History Pod. My Instagram is at Happy Hour History Pod. Facebook is just like if you search Happy Hour History or like Happy Hour History Podcast, you'll see my like little green logo pop up and you can find me there. My email, if you have like questions or just like want to chat, it's happyhourhistorypod at gmail.com. I also have a Patreon. So if anyone wants to like donate money there, I don't know why you would, but I really respect it and I would love you forever. Um, it is patreon.com slash happy hour history pod. 
last but not least, if you have a chance, please leave a review and rating. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts or if whatever app you're using supports that. I don't think like Spotify supports that and stuff. So, uh, But if you can, it would be appreciated. And so thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Sarah, for being here. And we will resume this in part two. 